Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 30. And this, unfortunately, is the last one in this series. And huge apologies for the delay in getting this one to you. We had to hold back this episode a little bit to tie in with the launch of something rather special that we're going to talk to today's guest. And today's guest is Evan Suckerman. And Evan and the team, uh, when I talk about his team, he's actually the design director and co-founder of an incredible jewellery brand called Parts of Four. And actually, whilst you're listening to this intro, just go and check out their Instagram. It's unbelievable. The product is amazing. And this is a very, very special episode because this coincides with the launch of their undertaking into the digital fashion world. And we're not just talking about 3D renders or, you know, kind of creating something from that perspective. We're talking about tokens and nfts even their own currency and actually their inevitability of entering into the metaverse but don't worry we won't get fully geeked out there's plenty in this conversation about the influences of the brand and the creative process and evan does a wonderful job telling us about his delightful life in bali so sit back enjoy the show and as usual I will be back at the very end to summarise. I'm also going to tell you about a little special event that we've got going um, (laughs) where you can actually ask some of the guests possibly some of the questions that I've missed. So listen, sit tight, enjoy the episode and I'll see you shortly. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. How are you, friend? Are you well? I'm doing well, thank you. You're doing good. Excellent. Well, good morning. Uh, It's pissing down here in the uk um and i know you're in bali so what time have you got there it's 6 p.m as you can as you can see it doesn't look like 6 p.m in your it really doesn't no it looks so (laughs) idyllic it's so idyllic i want to talk to you a little bit about bali because i did travel there once and fell in love with the place i know you're based out there now so but we need to talk about you and we need to talk about your brilliant brand and what you're up to and how you're going to develop things moving forward so before we start though I just want to try and get a little bit of a synopsis and overview of you and and what you're about with regards to the company and we can dig a bit deeper in a minute so so what do you do Evan that's the question I want to ask well I'm the designer of parts of four Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm also the creative director and what I have done in the last decade for the brand has been you know, designing physical product and sort of a universe around that product. But what yeah. I will start to do now is a sort of transformation of, of, of the brand. So okay. I think that's where the direction of our conversation will go, but yeah, I'm a designer. I'm an artist uh, by trade and mm-hmm. 
I am a hobby synthesis by passion. Okay. So, Do you want to, to explain right what that me, is? <laughs> well, to the right of me here, I wish I could rotate the screen, but it's okay. pretty elaborate. I'll send you a photo. Um, music studio, basically, of a modular cool. synthesizer and drum machines and electronics. And nice. I'm an electronic fiddler. And so that plays a big role in this next evolution of the brand, yeah. but it's what yeah. I do for fun. Wow. And, um, and yeah, and, and it's time to fold that all in. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, we spoke earlier last week, very, very briefly, and you talked about the whole, you know, your interest. I know we're going to discuss that a bit later on, but tech and, and this kind of blend between creativity, art, artistry, and obviously technology. Um, what were you doing previously? Have you always been into kind of design and uh, have you always been into music? I mean, what, what's, what's your background? Well, my background is in installation art, actually. So I went to uh, university and I studied multimedia installation work, which was sort of quasi-robotic. It's more more crude mechanics, a lot yeah. of sound. I was using microphones from the very beginning, especially contact microphones, which don't pick up uh, sound waves. They pick up vibrations. So you put the mm -hmm. contact mic on a piece of metal or on a on a motor and you and you hear the internal vibration of of the object so that was an obsession of mine for a very long time when i left university i was unable to build a an, a career around that i tried for some years mm -hmm. and i met a friend who was a pretty passionate designer and i felt like he had a really you know great vibe and we yeah. just linked up and i sort of followed his lead into design and I brought in all of my conceptual kind of weirdness onto it and we merged that and that turned into the first brand that I was a part of which was called Ernte okay. and Ernte lasted five or six years had a really yep. interesting run and then it deteriorated and I started a family and I sort of um, started to redefine myself and then I landed in jewelry quite accidentally um, right actually. okay was and this still back in the U.S.? Were you in the U.S. at that time? Or? I was already in Bali. I yeah. moved to oh, right, Bali okay. initially to pursue production for that first brand. Got you. Okay. It was a leather okay. jacket focused brand. And I had heard that Bali was a decent place to produce um, jackets yeah. and did turn out to be such. I, I didn't anticipate moving here. I didn't anticipate any anything that happened. I've been here almost 20 years now. Wow. So that that was wow. a sort of circumstantial move. Yeah. And have things changed a lot there in Bali over that 20 years? Has it, has it, has it really oh, yeah. changed? Or, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's drastic. I mean, when I arrived here, you, you, there was one place to get a cappuccino, <laughs> a salad. A salad was iceberg lettuce with mayonnaise on it. And, you know, it was like, you know, rice fields everywhere. And now it's a completely uh, established bustling kind of quasi cosmopolitan yeah very foodie ish place and salads are much more elaborate than they were <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way to go for a salad is, wow i mean it really no it really changed actually to be in a place that's changed so drastically and to watch it change yeah was a was a crazy experience for me because i mean growing up in the states you know you, you're born into a system that is already totally there 
you mm -hmm. see some kind of progress, but you don't really notice it because it's happening, you know, so incrementally. And here it's just been like breakneck speed of development. So you just watch something go from zero to 60 and, and yeah. it's, it's yeah. been fascinating actually. Yeah. And I don't uh -huh. mind, I mean, I don't mind it. People complain about the, you know, the loss of culture and a, I don't think that culture is lost, mm -hmm. but which is actually the most beautiful part. They've sustained their culture, I believe. Yeah. But it's just become incredibly convenient to be, you know, an expatriate here. So yeah. What what about from a product point of view though? You know, obviously you went over there for for manufacturing supply. How's that changed? I mean, how has that how have they developed? I don't know. I mean, supply was a nightmare for leather stuff. Um, leather was really limited. Thread was 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 really limited. Zippers was really everything was really limited. So one of the reasons I dove into jewelry as heavily as I did mm -hmm. or, as, or as it evolved was because it matched exactly the traditional sort of mechanisms that were already in place, the materials, the tools, everything is a part of their sort of their natural ability. And you weren't bringing a Western mindset or a Western approach to things. It was the inverse where I actually was finding what people here were really good at doing and trying to lift those skills up rather than bring a sort of Italian production mentality onto Indonesia, which n never worked out really well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So in the old days uh, with the garment production, I would say it was very complicated, very mm -hmm. difficult. And with this object creation and jewelry and silver and brass and stones, it's incredibly fluid and matches exactly what, you know, um, people here are so incredibly skilled at anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I remember when I was over there, you know, the, just walking around, even the resorts, you know, the amount of beautiful work that was done. And you would, you know, you drive through these kind of towns and you would see little kids sat on the curb, you know, like whittling away wood and just phenomenal artistry, you know, and that Phenom creativity. Is, it is really unbelievable. And, and, and everybody does it. You know, it, like you say, the culture side, it's quite a few years ago since I've been there. And I, that's why I asked the question, how much has it changed? Because that's the, that's the heart of that country as I see it. You know, as, as I kind of think back to me traveling around there, when I see the people, I don't think I've, and, and none of this is really cliche, but I don't think I ever, ever met more hospitable, more beautiful people, you know, with regards to the respect I they had for be. people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, so, if I was, if I was going to dive a little deeper into the question, actually, there is a change mm. and it will be seen in the coming generation much more. Certainly, the tendency towards handwork is evaporating a bit. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's harder to find silversmiths or jewelers. They're around and they're there, but they tend to be a bit older. And the new generation, which is basically the first generation that has grown up free. I mean, you know, there was a, 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 there was a dictatorship here. Yeah. So yeah. this new generation that are now 20-something are extremely technical extremely clever, very savvy, 3D artists, musicians, DJs, and that development of artistry that was in their culture is now transforming into a development of artistry in technology. And it's okay. a really interesting transition because 
they are so good at what they do. I mean, the DJs yeah. that are really you know, prolific, yeah, bring it to a level that is almost absurd. I mean, in terms wow. of technical, in terms of technical skill, and and I think it's because they just devote themselves completely. Yeah, absorb themselves. Yeah, just Which, absorb themselves yeah. and just yeah. go in. And so yeah. it's very cool to watch. Very cool to watch. And actually, a really cool place for you. You know, I mean, talk about everything aligning for what you love and what you're you're about. I mean, it couldn't get any better. I would have could never, it? yeah, I would have never expected that. Actually, yeah. And and in this metaverse project that we will talk about, I'm working with um, a local guy who's my first um, Indonesian creative partner. I have many Indonesian partners at this stage, mm-hmm. and their roles are maybe more uh, technical but it's the first collaboration I have that's a truly creative alliance and he's a 3D artist. And that is also really liberating and interesting for me. I, I didn't expect that I, either. wasn't the yeah. interaction I, I had yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that's super cool. Absolutely. It's great. And you framed what you've done there, Evan, is just frame the environment because the environment is so, so important in what we do, isn't it? You know, I think we live and work in a very creative space and it's important we surround ourselves with the right type of mindset, you know, whether that's in physical term or just kind of psychological term. Um, No, it's really good, really cool. So let's talk a little bit about the brand because obviously your brand, Parts of Four, is doing tremendously well. And, you know, we can talk again a little bit more about the success and how you got to where you got to. I want to dig back and find out a little bit more about your partner, Damien, your business partner, Damien. And, how you guys met and where the idea from the brand came from and, you know, what was the nucleus behind that? Well, Damien and I met in Paris mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the brand. The first couple of years was sort of me with a very small collection going to Paris and renting showrooms during the Paris Fashion Week yeah, and trying to convince buyers to come to the showroom and see the collection. I had connections from my previous brand, so I had some trust built, but was still quite an effort to get people to come see. And maybe I'd have, you know, two appointments in a day. And uh, I started renting a showroom from him. So he was my landlord for a couple of seasons. And then I started getting a bit more orders and I ran into trouble exporting to um to europe because Mm -hmm. of the the duties and and the you know the logistics of of needing you know to deliver a product directly to a to an eu customer without much of an infrastructure and so i asked him if he would be interested in in importing products for me at a percentage so i think i offered him 10 percent to to just to deal with the entire importing and duties etc so we did that for one season and and then we started to do that again and i had a my first very large order very large large order mm-hmm. large enough for parts of four from a shop called lncc do you remember lncc no i don't where were they it's it's it was outside of london okay uh, wh- when it came onto the scene it was like the new shop the coolest <laughs> thing with the best brands architectural space yeah, the guy who who was the buyer at the time was a great dude, and I was super excited. And I don't know, I mean, the order I think was you know maybe twenty five grand or something. Mm-hmm. You know, for me at that moment it was quite. I was like, okay, this is good. So 
I was cash flow strapped and I wrote Damien and I said, hey, do you think you could advance me this money and I'll give you a commission on it as well? And he mm -hmm. said, okay, well, who's the who is the, the buyer? And I gave him the whole lowdown and he said, well, do you think they're going to pay? And I said, oh man, of course they're going to pay. Look at this. It's the hottest shop. It's the most trendy <laughs> thing. This is the, you know, this is top, top shop in the world it's right nailed now. Which it did, yeah. Which it did have the, the reputation. Yeah. He did a little backend research. He came back to me and he said, you know what? There's some funny stuff in their reporting. It looks like there's only one shareholder and it looks like they're actually running in the red. And I was like, really? Are you okay? Mm. And we had a bit of a, you know, discussion around that. I didn't agree necessarily, but I was like, okay, well, it sounds, you know, scary. Anyway, <laughs> they didn't end up paying. They, they, so they, he was right. And as soon as I realized that he was able to deduce that, to, to sift through the, yeah. the, the, the veil of, of the PR barrage and actually get some real info and not only get the info, get it quickly, analyze it and mm -hmm. come up with a strategic decision based on it. I was like, okay, you know what? I need to work with you. And I was like, I was like, I need you in my, in my business. And he's like, look at the age I am, I won't do anything unless it's 50, 50. And I said, you know what? 50% of nothing is nothing. 50% yeah. is yours. Let's yes. do this. Wow. And it was, it was that entry that we've been riding on ever since. And I mean, it took us a couple of years of, you know, establishing our roles and figuring out, mm -hmm you know, our communication and establishing trust and, and mutual yeah. respect, but we, but we got there and, and now we have a very, a very, a very good dynamic. So. Yeah. That is so cool. It's what's lovely about that is, you know, having somebody coming in and distilling the facts as opposed to, you know, getting caught up on the emotion, you know, the heart of everything, you know, you get that order and you think this is it, this is the big break that I've been waiting for, and this is going to change my business. But actually yeah. sometimes for someone to be able to come in and look objectively and say, hold on a minute, I see a few little red flags. They may be nothing, but actually having that barometer, that's the word I'm use, I want to use, having that barometer in your business to just align you correctly is so, so important. So, so that's really good, really, really good. So he's based and in Paris, right? And that's been the right? continuation. He's based in yeah. Thailand. Oh, uh, right, okay. That, that's been the continuation of our, of, our, of our dynamic is this sort of very rational, mm -hmm. non-emotional, stoic presence which is the absolute counterbalance to my totally manic hyper emotional hyper enthusiastic uh, unrealistic mm -hmm. but still you know focused perspective yeah. so those two things create a, a pretty powerful uh, combo but he is yeah. french he's french but has been in thailand for quite a long time wow okay okay yeah because you've got a family is a family there and yeah so he has a place kind of further out in the jungle and he has a place in bangkok as well so amazing gosh so you've got you've got a, a, a indonesian far eastern kind of base with regards to production and and obviously you two guys based out there and then you've got the store in 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 paris as well is that how long have you had that store is that has that been around a while or not seven years Okay. Okay. And the question I want to ask is the name parts of four, where did that come from? What does that mean? Parts of four was a note that I took to myself. So I was um, trying to rebuild myself after the crash of that first brand, which coincided with a few different crashes in my life. And it was a multiple year um, writer's block where mm -hmm. creativity just was not present. And I didn't really I didn't believe that I would be able to come back to creativity, actually. 
but I kept trucking along. I mean, there's a story there as well that relates to Rick and a few other things, but mm -hmm. I was coming back to the idea of trying to start something and it was a belt buckle brand. And I was taking notes to myself as I was sketching. And one of the notes was divide everything into parts of four. And I looked at that note and I said, whoa, parts of four. I said, that's a good name. Mm. And it rode from there. But it was a mental, it was a, it was a calculus. You know, it was a method to sort of, to find a way to create something. And it was division. And it was breaking everything into, into quadrants. And, yeah. and the name, I saw it on paper. And I said, oh, shit, that's a good name. <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's become ever well. more meaningful. I mean, the yeah. number four has become so powerful in my life. I mean, you have mm -hmm. four directions. You have, you know, you have, you have actually what it turns out when you start to focus on it is that four is everywhere. Mm. You know, it's a yeah. quite a rigid, it's quite a rigid number. You know, it's the cross. It's very, it's very stabilized. It's very blockish, but it's also perfectly symmetrical. And yeah. And it's sort of become the umbrella of everything that we do. Sometimes. Yeah. Wow. I never knew I'd have a conversation about the digit four. But, um, you know, that is it is quite interesting when you break it down like that. You're absolutely right. So let's talk a little bit about jewelry, Evan, because um, you said, obviously, you had clothing before and then you got into the jewelry side of things. I know from a sculptural perspective, which I know is a big interest of yours, that you're, you're really into that kind of aesthetic of, of, of jewellery to, to some extent. Was it difficult to kind of learn the craft as such? Or did you, I mean, how did you kind of, did you work with anyone? Were you an apprentice with anyone? Did, what was the story there? Well, to be totally honest, I am unable to make a, a single piece that we, that we produce myself. Okay, so got you. I have never been able to physically make any of the jewelry myself, nor did mm -hmm. I have a desire to. It's not necessarily my approach. So I have always designed on paper or with my fingers or with a piece of clay or whatever, and had somebody next to me that could understand what I'm talking about. And yeah. it's through that collaboration and that dialogue that everything was built. And the key members of my, of my production are key because they're uniquely themselves and understand you know visual language in their own way and and mm. they've played a huge role in in all of this i mean it would be a total lie to say that this was built by me and conceived by me only by me i had all of the design ideas but the fabrication was all these core members okay. and I just bounced off of their techniques. I could see what they were doing. And I mm -hmm. said, Oh, let's try it like this. Oh, let's build it like this. Oh, can you do this? Can you do and so it was a dialogue and, yeah. um, and yeah. no, I did not, I did not study jewelry at all, nor okay. did I ever intend to get into yeah. it. Yeah. Where are they based? Is it a big team? How many is in the, t how many is behind parts of four? Yeah. In Bali, on the production side, or at least on the manufacturing side, including the office and the prototyping and the mm -hmm. la la la, we're 31 here. Okay. Um, we're 31 here. The core of the team is four people on a production side. Yeah. Is four people. The manager of our production actually started as my housekeeper here, and she wow. was the nanny of my daughter, and I not only do I trust her with my life and love her deeply, um, 
she was just so smart that I, mm. I said, you know, you, you, you have so much more potential than this. So I taught her how to use the computer. I taught her what email was. And now she is absolutely the authority figure at, at the office uh, in many ways. And, and my trusted second pair of eyes. I also have a kind of a right hand man who really understands my mechanical side and he's quite mechanical Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of a key silversmith who does the initial prototypes if they're handmade and a wax carver who was who I started the whole thing with and he carves by hand everything that looks like a CAD machine made it and actually I would say he's far better than a CAD machine I mean of course he can't get the tolerances as as tight but Mm -hmm. He's so quick. He's so technical. I mean, he's like a genius. So Amazing. I really am surrounded by incredible people. So we have 31 people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have three people in Paris. They kind of alternate. Uh, we have Damien. I, um, I work with a guy named Kishi, who I've worked with for 20 years or longer. We moved to Seattle after college together. And he does all of the web design, logo design, uh, advertisement design, anything typographical, and yeah, anything. And then, um, and now we have the new metaverse team, which is another five people. So I guess yeah, 40, 40, 40 people or so. Wow, um, that is a lot. That's that's a, a lot, lot of people. Yeah, that is a lot. You look well on it. Let me just say. <laughs> <Yeah. that. laughs> um, I want to talk about the whole metaverse thing and the NFTs because I think it's. It's so, so important that, you know, I mean, the conversation we had last week, I came off and I kind of sat for 10 minutes and thought, we, not just you and I, but just generally the industry are on this cusp. We're really at this cusp. I'm really feeling it. And I want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about your brand values with regards to digital, because you have done an amazing job, obviously, on creating a digital presence through Instagram. And for anyone that hasn't been on the parts of full Instagram account, you must go on because it's phenomenal. Um, just the content that you put through is just so rich and it's so impulsive. And actually, as you scroll through, the consistency is unparalleled. It's brilliant. How well, on earth you. did you did you develop that? I mean, what was the... Did you think to yourself, right, we're going to go down the wholesale route or did you kind of align yourself completely on digital or have you just got an amazing team that, that are behind that and pushing that product out? How do you work Instagram? I have always posted everything myself, uh, actually. So, and I still, and I still do. Instagram evolved very organically. I mean, mm. it started back if you scroll all the way to back back to the beginning it started as a sort of documentation of the process it was a bit more behind the scenes with a few stylized photographs um i actually don't know how instagram became what became what it did i mean Mm. there was a period um i got married to a woman named jana and her and i produced a tremendous amount of content together. And there was a few years there or a couple of years there where we were prolific at it. She's Mm. an incredible stylist and she was able to combine things in a really ingenious way. And it was inspiring for me. So I was photographing her combinations Mm. kind of continuously. And that became the impetus of, of, of an era of the Instagram. Okay. But the Instagram for me was a way to show a perspective, you know, and 
a view, a frame of of the product, and yeah. that um, the that ability to share a unique perspective was something I had never anticipated. So it just grew quite organically. I mean, yeah. we do Facebook, we do Facebook advertising, mm-hmm. and have for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook advertising, of course, is as the back end of Instagram. So yeah. they're intertwined. And the following just started to gravitate towards there. I mean, we never bought any followers or did any yeah. of these, yeah. these, these mechanisms. Mm. But, the, but the outreach was so much bigger than it would have you know, gotten to simply organically by using yeah. the algorithm. Yeah. And, and we just started to collect the people that were interested in the product. And there's a tremendous yeah. turnover there, obviously. Yeah. So you're constantly cycling through, you know, um, levels of interest. Mm. But, and where is your audience then, Evan? Where, where are you, you know, where's your tribe? Where are they all literally all over the world or are there any they're particular? Literally, they're pockets? really all right. over the world. Okay. Uh, it's becoming quite uh, Asian centric, mm-hmm. which is fantastic because I feel very aligned with with the eastern sensibility and i also feel that that this is the quadrant of the world that is kind of most exhilarating right now and moving in such incredible speed yeah so it's actually our target as well for this metaverse uh story because they just get it you know yeah. and asia just understands you know whereas yeah. in the states you know it's quite a work to try to explain what it all is i mean even cryptocurrency for is 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 still a giant mystery mm. so um i would say that that moving forward asia will become ever more important but for the moment we're in europe we're in the us a bit in south america not so much mm. um, Okay, that's cool. So we touched there, or you touched very kindly and led me into this next question about the metaverse and um, a really interesting development for your adventure, really, as a brand and how you're going to kind of move forward. And what struck me about the conversation we had last week, Evan, was that you really want to try and position the brand as being a pioneer in this space. And I've done a couple of episodes of the podcast with some some people who are, are already connected within this kind of arena. And I personally am fascinated. I hope the listeners are fascinated. And I hope, do you know what I really hope? I hope in a couple of years time, people listen to this podcast and go oh my god look how it's developed because that's actually it might not even be a couple of years time it might be six months time um but that's my goal here to try and push the envelope a little bit and try and introduce brands and the brand stories about being at this this cusp of our industry changing so I know you can't say too much and uh, I don't know what you can say and what you can't say because, you know, you've got all sorts of NDAs and you've got all sorts of kind of legals kind of (laughs) tying your mouth together. But do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, an overarching um, synopsis of what parts of four are going to do moving forward? Well, it's it's a rabbit hole in and of (laughs) itself. So if, if I mean, if I was to just skirt on the surface of it, I mean, we first I'm going to reply to the idea of maybe it's six months or two years. What is sure is that within that period of, let's say, a year or a year mm-hmm. and a half, we will know if this thing is here to stay or was somehow a really bloated fad. Yeah. And within two years, without question, we will have our answer. And mm-hmm. 
that situation that we're in, it actually creates an environment where you have to be a pioneer. There is mm -hmm. no other option. So it's a high risk, high reward scenario, but it's certainly a risk because you have no idea where this thing is going. So I think naturally we are a pioneer in that we're completely putting our minds towards how to integrate both the physical and the digital world and how to use the blockchain technology and NFT technology specifically to facilitate that, that transition. And since we are going so full in, it is pioneering just by just by the nature because it's 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 a proof of concept you know it's yeah. it's so it's somewhat undone people are dabbling and attempting and trying to figure out but we would like to completely digitize ourselves and that doesn't mean that we're abandoning our physical presence we're expanding over i mean i think that the most I think that the best way to imagine it is that there are two completely parallel dimensions. You have the mm -hmm. physical dimension and the digital dimension, and they are both worlds in and of mm. themselves. And what we would like to do is have as elaborate and deep a presence in the digital dimension as we do in the physical dimension, and then try to create interaction between those two dimensions. And okay. I think that that's how we have positioned ourselves well it is how we positioned ourselves mm -hmm. and i think we're really well suited for that yeah simply because of the kind of the structure of the collection how how kind of digital it already is the way in mm -hmm. which the designs are are iterated is sort of digital i mean it's reducing demand it's reducing the width it's adding this it's changing the variance it's switching out a material you know it's already a kind of one and zero method of, of creating an exponential amount of product. And we, you mm -hmm. know, we can infinitely create new product through that. Yeah. Change this material, change that stone, make this little wider, make this a little thinner, do that in five different things. And all of a sudden you have a hundred new products. Yeah. And yeah. that's how we, that's how we do do things. Okay. And okay. that, that method, you know, it's not like sitting around and designing a runway show. You know, we've liberated ourselves from the constraints of the fashion industry in that way. We're non-seasonal. Mm -hmm. We, we, there's no pressure on new collections. It's just a constant, continuous evolution and iteration. And that philosophy is already digital by nature. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, so we're going to carry that over uh, into NFT world. And our NFTs will be broken up into, I mean, I don't know how specific we should get because well, I think get a bit nerdy. Yeah, we, we can get geeked out to be fair, but actually I'm, I'm fascinated. And actually this is a conversation between me and you, but we do have other people, obviously that might not be um, so upstanding of, of where everything is. Maybe we should literally just talk a little bit about how you're going to educate the customers because actually if you don't know what an nft is and you don't understand what blockchain is hopefully they've listened to previous episodes so you know there will be that level of understanding but how you how are you as a business kind of going to educate your existing audience and new customers to this new mindset this new way this new um this new collection this new way of presenting the brand how are you going to do that I don't think that we are going to do that, actually. Okay. Um, Great answer. I, yeah. No, I, 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 that sounds like a monolithic task. And I think that maybe in the spirit of these two dimensions, 
the digital one and the community there already understand exactly the logic that we're bringing. We're not reinventing anything on that side yet. I mean, we sure. do have some innovative ideas moving forward, but on yeah. the onset, we've sort of reimagined classic mechanisms that are already existing in crypto and NFT space, bringing yeah. our flavor to it, and they will instantly understand it. But what is unique is the backing of all of these digital things with all of our physical objects and the parallel of a bracelet that exists in digital space and physical space that are formally very similar, but conceptually very different. And mm. we have this, you know, we have mechanisms on that digital side that are kind of gameable where you can combine things. They can become keys to unlock other puzzles. They can be integrated into future platforms. They can be integrated into AR or VR. Mm. You know, the, 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 the whole thing moves in a very like massive direction on yeah. that side. And that side has a giant online community, obviously, of people that already understand the language. And so I imagine that the beginning of it will happen over there and yep. the physical part of it will stay over there. Okay. And over time, they will sort of start to merge as people naturally get more accustomed to this and get yeah. more educated in general about what they're interested in, what they're not interested in. Yeah. So yeah. I, no, yeah. I will do my best to, to put tidbits and I will use Instagram and mm. Twitter. I don't use Twitter yet, but I will use Instagram and Twitter to try to explain what we're doing and hope that the people that you know are, are stimulated by it will come over and the people that aren't interested, you know, can, can remain in their safe. As zone. they are. Yeah, yep. no, that's a really good strategy, actually. Um, not that I was expecting you to kind of go over to your existing audience and say, come over to this concept, because that is a lot for people to take on board. And actually, from my relatively small amount of experience in that space, community is absolutely paramount. It is yep. all about the community. It is all about trust. It is all about the networking, really. And it's not like, it doesn't feel like a, what is really nice, Evan, it doesn't feel like a secret club that actually you, you're not in, you're not in it. So actually we're not even going to bother talking to you. The community seems very open-minded and very open-armed, which actually is really quite interesting, especially from a fashion point of view, because the people that I'm talking to at the moment that seem to be quite prolific in that particular space are very open about how they share things and how they develop things. So with that in mind, how did you develop the idea? And again, I know you can't talk in too depth, but how no, did you... I can you... talk about most things. Okay. How, how did you put yourself in that community? How did you put yourself around advisors in that community that could help you take what you've got and make it happen? We didn't. We were inventing it ourselves quite okay. literally. So, uh, you know, I want to go back one second to, to the earlier question of educating the customer. Um, yeah. Well, what I think that we're really conscious of is not alienating our current mm. customers who yeah. have, who, who are are deeply rooted in the physicality of our product and the physicality of our product is the core of it. I mean, I consider those objects to be magical objects and, and powerful objects. And that is something that our client base, I think, feels as well. And so yeah. what we want to be very careful of is that people don't feel we're digitizing and losing our soul or whatever can, you know, whatever feelings can be evoked by the kind of the fear mechanism of the unknown because the digital mm -hmm. domain is quite scary i mean it in especially if you're not comfortable there so 
that's the other part of not educating is also not forcing the move and not requiring that people learn anything new and, yeah. and allow the, you know, that side to continue to, to develop as it is. So that yeah. was just an important point. And then as far as how we look, I mean, I, I was a video gamer from like 12 to <laughs> 20, like hardcore, hardcore. <laughs> so that's all I did. I mean, I smoked pot and <laughs> it was like my life. <laughs> no, I mean, it's serious. So I already have the sensibility. I had not connected to that, that part of myself in, a, in two decades. Hmm. Um, a friend of mine pulled me into the crypto space as, to try to do some trading. I had a pretty interesting run. I really lost my mind in it. I got really obsessed with that as well. It was all I could think about. Took over mm -hmm. my entire life. I had to pull out uh, of all of that. Um, but the repercussions of my time in that space and also Damien's presence there because he was sort of advising me on the background and we were doing a few different things. And we both had a sort of aha moment and realized how much potential was there and how well suited both of our ways of thinking was for that. And as soon as we started putting our minds towards it, we basically spent a month brainstorming daily on, yeah. on how to invent you know, or transition there. And as soon as we did that, we were able to find a few people to fill the roles that we needed and we're just there. Nobody is professionally advising us. We've just surrounded ourselves with a couple people that uh, are aligned with our ideas and we're on the same okay. team and we're doing it together. And yeah. we have some um, partnerships, which are the things I can't talk about mm -hmm. yet, that also presented themselves through a friend who was in the crypto space before that are further solidifying things and, and will help to establish the trust that you're talking about. Because at yeah. the moment, we have zero trust in that space. I mean, nobody yeah. knows who we are. We don't yeah. exist. So we need to use our physical presence, our Instagram followers and our mm -hmm. physicality and our root in the physical world as the trust building mechanism. And that is our angle rather than this ethereal, non-existent, cryptic, anonymous team. Yeah. We're yeah. a very transparent, public physically rooted team. And that yeah. is exactly the core of what we are trying to bring is, is trust is that trustability, you know? Yeah. So. And your product actually lends itself so well to, to that pro, you know, to that it's adventure. It's so easy to imagine. Yeah. I mean, they're so simple. Formally, they're such simple forms, you know, yeah. you know, the detail comes in the texture and yeah. that lends itself incredibly to 3d because you use the same forms and then you have infinite possibility in materialization mm -hmm. you can create lava and abyss and astral and and ice and whatever light <laughs> you know you can you know you you're completely unrestrained in how you can manifest these products whereas in the real world you have you know silver brass you have stones but in the 3d space i mean you, imagination is is mm. the limit it does lend itself really really yeah. well yeah for sure and, and i can you send get... you i can send you some oh. some preview product i mean we have things that we can show that i've posted already so i can send that you some previews great. of how of, of how some of our nfts will be you know kind of looking and the yeah. site will be online by the time this podcast launches uh our preview site will already be online where it tries to explain what we're doing and Perfect. that's just a couple of weeks away okay okay so when does the actual drop as they say when does that happen when will you go live with with actually selling the product the collection 
that's the second phase. First, okay. well, now things are shuffling around. So we have mm -hmm. this uh, partnership potential drop that is going to be the first uh, step. Mm -hmm. Immediately after that, we're launching our own coin. So it's P4C, P the P4C token. So the P4C token is our initial offering. It's not the NFT offering. Mm -hmm. So first we launch the token. And we work on on creating a community around that and selling the token, obviously. Um, and then three months behind the token launch, we will be launching our own platform. So we won't be doing NFTs on OpenSea or Nifty Gateway or Super yeah. Rare or any of yeah. these places. We're doing our own brand-centric platform that is the only place you can buy our NFTs and you have to use our currency for it. However, our platform will also offer interactivity that is impossible on other platforms with our things, a way to combine or merge or mix the audio and the video and the product itself to create new materials and new rarities. And the gamification of the whole thing will happen on our platform. So wow. the full launch will happen when the coin is in circulation mm -hmm. and the platform is launched. And I would okay. guess that that is February, January okay. or February. Amazing. So, wow, you've got a lot to think about, as well as create some <laughs> wonderful jewelry. You know, it's uh, there's a lot there, isn't there, Evan? You know, there is a it's a big old challenge you've you've given yourselves. Bless you. It is a big challenge, and but this is where the partnership comes in perfectly mm. because I mean, Damien's brilliant at strategizing, at economics, at the the, the general big picture of it. Yeah, and he's quite financially based. You know, his yeah. background is in finance. And so when you're coming up with tokenomics and mechanisms and all of this stuff, he's perfectly suited for it. So his brain is all over this thing as well. And that's, this is probably the most vibrant um, area that we've been able to meet on because we really get to use our, our unique skills, which in my, my unique skill, I would say is more te technological. I mean, I'm much mm. more of a, a fiddler, inventor than i am a classic designer and that's yeah that and he, and if i get to come with innovation yeah. in how to you know integrate sound and video and yeah. ideas and he gets to come with mechanics and and tokenomics and and you know financial backbone that really match the crypto space because the crypto space absolutely is built on a kind of a, a a new form of 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 an economic system mm. and so it's the fuel it's the fuel of it all so you need to feed that system and so i would not yeah. be able to do that alone yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it, i mean there is a lot there's so much to go out there but um listen it's it's been a fascinating uh conversation i've thoroughly enjoyed it i know this is your first podcast which i'm really surprised because um you know, you you talk so eloquently about what you do and, and, you know, it just radiates from you, Evan. You know, it really does, because I know at the heart of heart, regardless to technology, regardless to whether or not everybody's going to be in a metaverse and, and live in that digital life, which actually I think they will to some extent, or there's definitely going to be a merge you There's inherit no yeah there is no in choice but you inherently have the value of a creative who's passionate about what they do and that is so Thank good you. to hear and um 
Yeah, I just I just love what you do. I'm a I'm a massive fan. Since I very very first saw your product, I just thought, oh my god, this is just awesome. And I just want to thank, thank you, you for coming on the podcast because I think it's been fabulous. And I know my listeners are going to get a huge amount of um, value out of listening to you. But how can they get in touch with you, or how can they learn more about the brand, Evan? I mean, at this stage, I I say that Instagram is our only is our only portal, but that's, that's temporary because as soon yeah. as we launch everything, we'll be on, on Twitter. And I mean, the website, obviously parts of four.com uh, is really the center of our brand. I mean, our e-shop is actually the center of the brand and it's, it's, yeah. it's unique in that way. And that's what I meant when I said, I think I misrepresented myself when I said we were a social media brand. We're more of a digital brand in the sense that the social media arm links to our e-shop which yep. is where you can explore the product entirely and that's what it's about it's about the objects it's not about the hype of all of yeah. this it's about the objects themselves and the characteristics that they possess and it's there that you can explore and of course yeah. there's contact form so i mean yeah people can contact us in any perfect in any, brilliant in any way they wish no it's been great listen thank you very much for giving up your time enjoy the rest of no, your it was beautiful barley evening the sun seems to have set now i can see the darkness kicking in um yep. but listen it's been fabulous and we must talk again and um yeah all the best all the best with the launch all the best with the drop all the best with the token and um just keep producing amazing products because what you do oh. is superb so all's good oh, thank you thank all you so right. much it was a pleasure talking to you yeah. Thank you, man. All the best. Cheers. Bye bye. Wow. Thanks again, Evan. I so enjoyed that. That was so cool. Um, I'd also like to say a massive thank you to Damien, who actually replied to my random request on Instagram. And if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't have had that conversation. So proof enough to everybody that if you don't ask, you don't get. So hopefully you enjoyed my conversation there with Evan, dear listener. And actually, if you want more, well, you can. Um, We're going to be trialing something uh, on the 25th of November. And it's a Q&A session with Evan. Um, the time's going to be 2 p.m. GMT. That's 9 a.m. EST. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be it's going to be nine o'clock for poor Evan because he's in Bali. Um, but we're going to be talking on Clubhouse. Um, and the link to that actual live Q&A session will be in the show notes. But don't worry if you can't make it because um, there will be a replay available. So all you need to do is go to Clubhouse go to Behind the Brands Club and you should see the replay there. And you'll be able to, it's almost like you're actually in the room. So you'll be able to see all the people asking the questions. You'll be able to click on their profiles. You'll be able to kind of engage with it, even though you're you're not there. So, and if you like this format, I will do more live sessions like this. So drop me an email, drop me an email to warren at beforestools.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you anyway. And finally, I'm just in the process of recording more episodes for Series 4. Trust me, I've got some super stories all ready to be told. So I'd just like to say thank you so far for your continued support. And I will catch you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, keep learning, keep listening and keep creative.